0: Issa radio 89.7 My name is Ira and I'm currently on call to dancer and creative caring facilitator Diane Busutil, who will soon run spring for seniors dance workshops at the Sydney Opera House and we will hear more about this in just a few minutes. Diane do we have you on the line? Yes, Ira, I'm here. Good morning. How are you this morning? How did your morning start? And how do your mornings usually start? Do you have a ritual of a sort that you start your days with?
1: Um, Not really. I I jump up and I have a cup of tea and brush my teeth. Very normal. And in warmer weather, I would do um, yoga. However, at the moment, it's just too cold inside the house to do that.
0: Mm. And where do you where is the house? What is around you at the moment as you speak to us? What is your surrounding?
1: Um, a very old um, 1940s house in the western suburbs, wooden floors, beautiful pine wooden floors. Um, but because it's an old house, they weren't built in those days to um, be as durable as the weather now (laughs) necessitate so it's quite a cold house Mm.
0: and when the winter comes and you don't feel up for yoga practices in the morning do you do them later on in the day is yoga something that you tend to do daily um I try
1: and do it daily um I definitely get to it a few times a week and at the moment in the afternoon and sometimes I go for big walks as well I do like walks
0: Mm, which is another form of meditation i suppose going for a walk many people speak about walking being very meditative for them
1: yes i find um the repetition of walking the same with dancing as in trance dancing sometimes i'll just actually dance Mm. (laughs) i do that a lot um so yes there's so many different benefits but anything i feel in repetition um, is very good to release um, stressful thoughts in the mind
0: mm. Speaking about dance, uh, you are a dancer as I introduced in the beginning of the show. Uh, maybe you can tell us a bit about your dance practice. Uh, what kind of dance uh, have you been uh, actively doing in the past? I know that you're uh, now focusing on bringing dance to elderly people, but you come from a dance background yourself. So, what was this background?
1: Yes, well, I've had a very long career um, as a professional dancer. I like to say that I've gone way past my use-by date, uh, and I'm very proud of that. So because of that, I've actually done a very large variety of dance styles. I think I started with Alvin
0: Ailey based technique in the mid-'90s, um, Can you tell us a on... bit about those? For uh, I, I don't know what they are and I'm sure there are people out there who might not know this name. So, so Alvin
1: Ailey is um, an Afro-American choreographer. The company still exists um, in the States. It's very athletic style of um, dance. Very beautiful, very beautiful. So um, that gave me a very good training base. Of course, before that, I did do ballet and tap and jazz like every good little girl in in the suburbs, Um, but I didn't like ballet so much, and I did like tap dancing a lot. I especially liked the fact that it made a lot of noise and a lot of rhythm, so I also went down that path and trained in in the States, um, learned a whole bunch of different techniques over there. And it was the first time I had been taught to make music as a tap dancer.
0: Mm.
1: Previously in Australia, I'd mostly learnt technique and how to do tricks. So that was a very mind-expanding, yes, training period. That was in the late 90s. I also did a lot of release-based work with Rosalind Crisp. And to be honest, that infiltrates through Everything I do, thats a, that informs all movements I do, including what I take into aged care. And I find that um, is a very holistic approach to movement, particularly with elders, because they can use the weight of their structure in soft and organic ways, you know, rather than twisting themselves in positions Um Mm. as we tend to do in other forms of dance.
0: Mm. When you um, speak about weight of their structure in soft and organic ways, can you elaborate a bit? What does that actually feel like and look like in the classes? What are they asked to do or, or achieve or attempt to do? Uh, well,
1: I'll give you one short example. When I warm up, I start with the head and the neck. And so we do gentle um I, I don't want to call them stretches, but we put um, the body in a position where the the weight of the head is what is actually stretching the various areas around the neck area, and because of that, it's very soft and it's very uh, almost impossible to have an injury doing something like that. It's um, very slow and organic. So a, as the mover, you're experiencing. The weight of the body you're experiencing the way it moves through different positions so you're not going from static pose to static pose um it's much more embodied Mm. and mm, and i feel that allows people then or i invite people to really stay with their body and, and investigate oh but today the left side is feeling very heavy and not as mobile as the other side and You know, my philosophy is everybody's body is different. So Mm. having a practice that allows people to listen to their own body um, obviously brings more awareness.
0: Mm. And I'm curious, you said, I don't want to call them stretches. Why is that? Um,
1: hmm. Well, I would say for me i do a lot of yoga i would get into um an asana and within that pose i would i would move within it in very subtle ways maybe adjusting a hip socket or or lengthening um another muscle structure so i think For me, I'm more interested in the subtleties of how we position ourselves anatomically. Mm. Another thing I work with and I'm very um, strong about is anatomically correct positions. So that's another way of um,
0: reducing
1: injury as well. Mm.
0: I also find that there is always a wisdom in the body. Like We as dancers are always taught to stretch equally on each side. But I have noticed lately that if I follow the thing that the body wants to do, it rarely actually wants to stretch on both sides equally. So it's um, this inherent, I guess, wisdom that the body leads the way towards the stretch or, or, yeah, we don't have to call it a stretch, but towards some kind of comfort, I suppose, seeking a comfort or a yawn of a sort.
1: Yes, I think it can be different in, when you apply it to different techniques. But either way, listening, as you said, is is the thing that's going to gain an understanding of of your own body. There's not really ever a right or a wrong, I feel, just Mm. um, a way of exploring your own sense.
0: Mm. And this idea of exploration links to the word play. And I have noticed that the play as a word is used in description of the work that you do. And this work involves you facilitating and you founded this organization called Creative Caring which brings dance and movement to seniors and also to people with dementia, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's. Could you talk to us a bit about how this uh, idea to set up this organization started and what it entails? Yes, it
1: began uh, when I came back to Australia in 2015. So prior to that, I was living in Berlin in Germany for 15 years, working as a professional dancer and acrobat and choreographer. When I came back, my intention was to care for my father who had dementia. So that was uh, my focus for many years. And, of course, I... Did as much as my of my own work, as well. But I was interested to find out how, after many years of being so passionate about what I do and wanting to continue what I do, how I could make this um, relevant to to the Australian culture, so not just as a performing artist. So, I guess it was through caring for my dad and. He was my best guinea pig, really. We would try things out. We would always dance together. Um, I I, I guess I found a gap and thought, oh, wouldn't this be great if I could take this to um, aged care homes? So at the time, AHI, um, Arts Health Institute, was leading the way in terms of having artists in um, an aged care environment and they had a thing called, play up which was clowning um they had a lot of musicians that went into the space and dance was their third tier which was not so developed at the time um so now it's more common that artists are working in an aged care setting Mm. and it's just incredible using artistic interventions um to connect to people so i find uh For me in particular, I never feel that what I'm doing is just teaching a dance class because I I want to get them to know the person and I want to hear what their interests are Mm. and for me that social engagement is imperative to the work I do and that, of course, builds up a trust with the person which means we can develop further together Mm. as I feel
0: relationship building is based on that trust. Mm. So... Now that you speak about social engagement, one thing that I read uh, on the website uh, is that through this work you're focusing on the union of arts and health to act as a remedy for our personal and social ills. And I was intrigued by this connection to social ills and was wanting to ask you if you could tell us a bit more about what do you have in mind when you speak about social ills and how does this work work in dance with elderly people cure them in a way or um, address them mm. well i think it's twofold uh,
1: first the simplicity of sharing any ills that you have with anybody immediately releases that ill so of course we all do that when we meet our friends for coffee and we share what's happening in our lives and the relevance of that in a in a set in a health setting it allows the people to. It allows the person to um, uh, remove themselves from their ailment. I think when they're talking about what their interest is and what they enjoy currently or previously, and um, making these connections is really important. And for an environment like that, where they're constantly talking about, you know. What's wrong with them, or how to fix what's wrong with them, and being administered their, their tablets x amount of times a day, um, or going to their physiotherapist or whatnot. I feel very strongly that a space that's music or dance based or art based gives them time to um, be be who they are mm. and not be focusing on those health
0: issues all the time. Mm. You and I, a couple of years ago, had a conversation and we were talking also about the sadness that we both felt that some people in our community, whether they are young or elderly, that they are socially conditioned to believe that they can't dance. And both you and I felt that everybody can dance because everybody can move in some way. Even if the way of movement is small, it can still be special and beautiful and important. So how do you address these conversations that I'm sure you sometimes have with people who feel, no, I can't join your class, I can't dance, I can't do this? To be honest,
1: I feel that I'm coming up against that attitude less and less Mm. often. There are many, um, the ratio of genders is quite, even in most of my classes, Um, you know, I also teach in a tertiary institution to sports students, and um, at the moment I feel like maybe that is the area where they would say, oh, no, I can't dance. And after uh, the semester, they've discovered the dancer in themselves. So it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, I think think as you get older, these things become less intimidating. Mm. So to to throw caution to the wind and give something a chance, mm. regardless of whether you feel that you're good at it or not, seems to be easier. Mm.
0: So tell us with this Spring for Seniors, workshop mm-hmm. that you will run at the Sydney Opera House starting from 2nd of September, there will be three individual workshops, uh, each will last hour and a half, and there will be once a month, so September, October, November. What have you imagined they will look like?
1: Yes, well, this is such a great opportunity and I'm very excited about this. We're um, focusing on dance theatre and we will be um, addressing different artists and choreographers that work in, in the field. And we're going to start off with Pina Bausch, who, of course, is the godmother of dance theatre. She's um, from Wuppertal in Germany and the company is still continuing although she passed away a few years ago um her work was groundbreaking in terms of how she used dance to tell stories and also you just have to see her work it's it's very different to to anything she's got this way of using the simplicity of emotions in a visual format that is just groundbreaking so I'm taking aspects of dance theatre and I'm applying them to the different sessions. So the first one we're going to start off with walking. Uh, At another point I'm going to use gestures and storytelling and we'll all um, be complicit in creating um, movement together that's a part of all the participants who are there. So... It's less, again, about me teaching, although there's, a, there's a, a small element of that. What we would really be doing is creating movement together as a group.
0: Mm. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, no dance or performance experience is required to join those. Uh,
1: minimal, minimal experience is necessary for this one. I think uh, you need to be over 55. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about it. We're also open to, you know, different types of people arriving. We want to have a lot of different access needs taken care of and so that different people, anybody can participate. So that means whether you've had experience or not, that's um, totally fine. And at the end, we'll be actually looking at um, some film footage of dance theatre and having a little conversation about that over tea and coffee. So I think it's about demystifying the process and showing that anybody can create movement from personal
0: ideas and memories. Mm. In uh, working uh, with elderly people in dance through creative caring organization, you also collaborate with musicians and some other dancers. And I know that at the moment you're also looking for more facilitators to join you in this work. Yes,
1: yes. I know. Um, well, there's a bit of buzz at the moment around socially engaged practice, and so there should be. It's um, it's such an inclusive way of bringing community in, and I know a lot of artists are working in that way. And it's a very specialised field. I feel like I'm um, always learning. The, now I've, I've been doing it for a few years and it's been the best learning experience just being um, around these people and learning how to care, learning how to use dance as a caring modality. Um, it's it, Yes, it's very strong. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you are a dancer who's wanting to get into this field, um go onto my website creative caring and um send me an email because uh i'm looking to find more people to engage and i also work in um uh, with people living with dementia and i think there's a lot you can learn but when you're when you're there in in front of those people that's how you learn, (laughs) that's how you learn Mm. how to be there and how to facilitate.
0: Well, Diane, thank you very much for joining us this morning and letting us know about Spring for Seniors, which is a series of three dance workshops that will take place at the Sydney Opera House starting September 2nd. And as Diane just mentioned, to find out more about her work, you can go to Creative Caring website. And if you're a dancer out there who would like to get involved in care for people with dementia, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's, and also bring dance to the senior you can also get in touch with Diane. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much,
1: Ira. I'm very grateful for your time.